This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Wow, here we are in the last evening of January. Well, the good news is that spring is one month closer. So, before we welcome the month of February, let's drift back in time to 1942 and hear what folks were tuning in for on their old Philco's or RCA's. Now, just picture the scene. The evening meal just wrapped up. The family was headed to the living room to turn on that big set. They watched the vacuum tubes grow brighter and brighter. And then the crackling sound of their favorite program. Now, since tonight's presentation begins with a scary program called Lights Out, the younger kids would be wearing a frown because they were being packed off to bed because the subject matter would be too much for them to bear. Lights Out is an American old-time radio program devoted mostly to horror and the supernatural. Lights Out was one of the earliest radio horror programs predating Suspense and Inner Sanctum. In the fall of 1933, NBC writer Willis Cooper conceived the idea of a mystery midnight serial to catch the attention of the listeners at the witching hour. The idea was to offer listeners a dramatic program late at night at a time when the competition was mostly airing music. At some point, the serial concept was dropped in favor of an anthology format, empathizing crime thrillers and the supernatural. The first series of shows, each 15 minutes long, ran on a local NBC station, WENR, at midnight Wednesdays, starting in January of 1934. And by April, the series proved successful enough to expand to a half hour. In January of 35, the show was discontinued. That done in order to ease Cooper's workload. He was then writing scripts for the network's prestigious Immortal Dramas program. But it was brought back by huge popular demand a few weeks later. After a successful tryout in New York City, the series was picked up by NBC in April of 35 and broadcast nationally, usually late at night and always on Wednesdays. Cooper stayed in the program till June of 1936 when another Chicago writer, Arch Obler, took over. And by the time Cooper left, get this, the series had inspired about 600 fan clubs. And now the episode first aired in 1942, Poltergeist. Ironized Yeast presents Lights Out, Everybody. It is later than you think. This is Arch Obler bringing you another in our series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you. These lights-out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. But 
If you're fascinated by the mysterious, the fantastic, the unearthly, then anticipate chills in our story of Poltergeist. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, <laughs> that was swell. Now let's go to town. St. Louis woman with her diamond ring. Kicking that man oh, around. No. no, stop that, Kay. What's the matter? Am I scaring the horse? Oh, it seems like a sacrilege singing a song like that out here. This beautiful, clean snow and blue sky. Well, what's wrong with a hot song to keep us warm? If you think the St. Louis blues is going to dirty up the snow, you ought to hear Frankie and Johnny the way I sing it. Oh, stop it, Kay. You're not funny at all. Why can't you enjoy the fresh air without that cabaret sort of thing? Oh, just an old-fashioned gal, eh, Florence? How about you, Edna? Don't you like my songs either? You haven't said anything for the last five minutes. Well, I... I haven't been listening to you to tell the truth. I love to watch the snow sort of flow along under the sleigh. When you say that, gal, smile. Gosh, did you ever see more snow in your life? The man at the hotel said it had been snowing on and off up here for two weeks. I think coming out here to the country's the best thing we three have done since we started rooming together. Hiking in the snow's terribly healthy. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. The healthier I get, the worse I feel. <laughs> Crazy idiot. She does say the funniest things, doesn't she? I always say that Kay ought to... Hallelujah, we're here. Is this as far as we go, driver? That's right, miss. Can't go no further down this road account of the drift. Oh, my goodness. The drifts are too deep for a horse. How can we walk through them? I second the motion. Well, you young ladies don't have to worry none so long as you keep going down the valley over there. Snow ain't piled up that way all the way to Ma Jenkins. Oh, well, that's marvelous. Come on, girls. Let's get started. So long. Take care of yourselves, girls. Come on, Ed. Goodbye, Miss Well, Listen to the snow talking at us. It's very dry snow. Our feet rub particles of it together, and the Ooh. friction makes a sound. It's kind of scary, yeah. isn't it? Why? Oh, I don't know. It's just mm. as if the snow was sort of trying to talk to mm. us. I mean, as if it was angry at our trespassing. Hey, don't tell me we're trespassing. I don't want any country squire taking any pot shots at my uh, constitutional amendment with rock salt. No, thank you. Oh, don't talk nonsense, Kay. We're not trespassing. Why, this path through the valley here over to Mrs. Jenkins' house is the favorite hike of everyone who comes up this way during the winter. What's Mrs. Jenkins got anyway that makes people walk their feet off? <laughs> Wait till you taste her cooking. Eat. Oh, boy, let's go. It's awfully quiet out here, isn't it? Oh, that's the glory of it. I've had the roar of the subway in my ears so long. Okay, don't walk so fast. Come on, look what I found. Oh, come on, Edna. Oh, please, let me take your arm. I'm getting out of breath. Well, take it easy. There's no hurry. (sighs) Well, what is it, Kay? Look, through the circle of trees here. Look what I discovered. Well, isn't that interesting? It's a sort of a natural amphitheater. Sure. Say, who was this guy, Daniel Boone? What's an amphitheater? Well, that that means an oval circling place with rising tiers of seats. It's, you know, like that place we went to for the horse show. Oh. Back in the times of the Greeks, they had outdoor theaters. Listen to the professor. They made use of places just like this where the ground sloped up and made a sort of a natural arena or stage below. Theater. That's an idea. 
Sit down, gals, and I'll give you a special performance of the K Follies. It's awful snowy here, isn't it? I'll trample it down with my spring dance. Welcome, sweet spring. <laughs> isn't she a nut dancing in the snow? If I had that girl's energy. Oh, She's really da, graceful, da, da, isn't she? I'll bet if she da, went on the stage, she could... Kay! She fell. Kay! Oh. Kay, did you hurt yourself? Oh, did I land on my dignity. Here, give me a hand. Here, I'll help you. There you are. Oh, did I take a flop. Did you hurt yourself badly? I'll live. What in the world did I trip over? Oh, no wonder. Look at that rock under the snow. No wonder I did a nosedive. Oh, my gee. goodness. There are rocks like that all over. Oh. A person could break their neck if they... Girls, what's the matter? What is it? Hey, the rock you tripped over. It... It's not a rock. What are you talking about? Of course it's a rock. Well, yes, but it's something... Something more than that. It's a tombstone. <laughs> tombstone? Oh, no, it, it can't be. Look for yourself. It says, Here lies buried the remains of one who, restless in life... Stop! Don't read anymore. Stop! And... And all these other stones laying flat on the ground. They're tombstones, too? Yes. Whew, what a place to pick to dance. Oh, What's the matter, Edna? What did you scream for? Hey, you, you danced on the grave. What? You danced on the grave. I saw you. I saw you do it. You danced on the grave. Okay. Edna, stop Kay, it. Stop it. What's come into her? Edna, stop acting like that. Edna, stop for heaven's sake. Control yourself. Okay. Kay, I'm so sorry for you. You danced on a grave. For heaven's sake, stop talking like that. Sure, I danced on a grave. Well, yes, of course she did. It was perfectly accidental. And what if it was? What of it? The poltergeist. The what? Edna Hansen, what are you talking about? What's that word you just used? Poltergeist. Okay, what have you done? You superstitious little fool. If you don't stop talking that way, I'm going to slap your face. What's the matter with you? I didn't do anything. You walked on the grave. You danced on the grave. So Edna, what? be sensible. We all walked on graves, but it was purely accidental. Yeah. We had no intention of desecrating them. It doesn't matter, I tell you. It doesn't matter. The poltergeist, he'll come. I know he will. Oh, what's the use? She's crazy. Edna, what are you talking about? What's a poltergeist? What are you so frightened about? My father, he told me, if you walk on a grave, if you dance on a grave, the poltergeist. Poltergeist what? What is a poltergeist? An evil spirit. It comes out of the grave. It kills. It destroys. It'll kill us. It'll kill us all. Stop it. It throws things oh, out. Oh, please. Yep. Lay off that. Wait, Edna. 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 But it won't get me. I'll run Edna, away. come back I'll here. She's gone insane. I'll get her. Edna. Okay, catch her. Edna. Edna, don't run away. Nothing will hurt you. Nothing. Oh, Edna, look out. <laughs> hey. Hey, what happened? That stone. It hit Edna. Edna. Edna, open your eyes. Blood. Blood all over her face. Hey, who threw that stone? Who threw it? I don't know. It came from the graveyard. Now, girls, take it easy. Take it easy. Oh, Doctor, she won't die. <laughs> Tell me she won't die. No, no, of course not. And you're sure that her skull isn't fractured? Oh, absolutely not. Maybe a little concussion, that's all. Well, it's almost five. Our train. Can we get someone to help us carry her down to the station so we can get her on board? Board? I'm telling you that little friend of yours shouldn't be moved out of bed for a week. If you do, 
Well, it might be just too bad. Oh, Flo, what'll we do? You go home, Kate. I'll stay with her. Oh, no, you won't. I'm not leaving you here alone in this godforsaken place. If you stay, I stay too. Kay, please be sensible. Why should we all lose our jobs when you... If can you'll go... excuse me, you ladies, I've got to be on my way. Oh, yes, of course, Doctor. Is there anything more you can do for Edna, Doctor? Any medicine or something? Nope, I've done all I can do. She's sleeping comfortable now. Uh, Miss? Yes, Doctor? The constable's sick too, you know, and he's sort of depending on me to keep things straight. Now, uh, just how did you say that little friend of yours got hurt? Well, it was just the way we explained, Doctor, that rock came flying and... Yes, yes, I know, but who threw the rock? We... we don't know. What? That's true, Doctor. We don't know. But somebody threw it. You can't change facts. Somebody threw the rock that cracked her head. For heaven's sakes, old man, you don't think we did it? No, I miss, I didn't. Get excited. Doctor, you've got to believe us. It happened just the way we said all at once, that rock came flying through the air from the direction of the graveyard. It struck Edna, and, and we just didn't see who threw it. All right, if that's your story. Well, you better stay in your rooms here. I mean, you better not be leaving until the constable's on his feet and has a chance to talk with you. I'll be back in a few hours and see how the girl is. He doesn't believe us. What difference does it make? We know what we saw. But what did we see? She was running. She she fell. Kay, well, let's not fool ourselves. There was no one there to throw that rock. There must have been. But there wasn't. Stop saying that. Aren't you brave enough to face facts? There wasn't any place for anyone to hide. I saw that stone. It seemed to come down out of the air. So slowly. Florence, if you don't stop talking like you that... remember what... What Edna said? It throws things. Stop looking at me like that. You're giving me the jitters. She said the poltergeist throws things. Spirit of evil. Florence, Rob, have you gone crazy too? Why should we laugh at things like that? What right have we got to laugh? How do we know there aren't powers we can't see or understand? Powers of evil that revenge and insult just like an evil man... Kay, how do we know? What are you talking like that for? What are you trying to scare me for? You, you're supposed to be the most intelligent one of us all. You with your college degrees. Sure, sure, I danced on the grave. But the dead are dead and they can't revenge a thing. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. I tell you, it's not... What? It's Edna. Come on. Edna, we're coming to you. Don't be afraid. We're coming. Open the door, Florence. It's not locked. Duck, it won't Here, let me. Edna, what is it? I run a decent place, and I don't want you... <gasps> oh. The girl on the bed. Her head. It's crushed flat in by a rock. God in heaven. It's not a rock. 
It's a tombstone. I... I wish I could cry. But I haven't got any more tears. Oh, Edna. Edna. Florence, darling, please. You'll kill yourself if you keep on like that. Oh, if this horrible night would only end. It was my fault. Mine. I was the one who got her out here. She didn't want to go. She hates the country. But I made her come. I made her. No. No, you're not the one to blame. I am. I danced on the grave. But she was so good. So sweet. Oh, why does it have to be Edna? Why? You're right. It wasn't right for it to be her, was it? Oh, no. I did it, not her. I did it. I danced on the grave. I danced. can't deny what you see with your own eyes. But I tell you, Doc, nobody could have carried that tombstone up the steps without me seeing him, could they? But there it is, ain't it? Yeah. There it is. Either somebody's playing a terrible joke or... You don't have to say it, Doc. I know. That's just the trouble. You don't know, and I don't know, and nobody knows. Yeah. And... And that tombstone. Well, what about the tombstone? I... I ain't quite sure, but... That's a tombstone out of the old burying grounds up at the bend. You're crazy. No, I ain't either. Well, that place is a good three miles from here. Yeah. I know. Who could have carted a heavy stone like that for three miles? Yeah. Who? Stop looking like that, you flap-eared old fool. Human hands carried that stone in here and killed that girl? Sure. Yeah, the constable will find out who did it the minute he's on his feet again. You wait and see. No, he won't, Doc. You're smarter than me and all that, but oh, this time you're wrong. There ain't nobody that takes in breath and leaves out breath like you and me. Or the constable's going to find out who killed that girl. You know that, Doc. No, stop talking. I wish the constable was here and this night was over. It's been a terrible night. Terrible clock. Ticking. Ticking. Yeah, I know. I've been sitting here listening to it. I can't stand it anymore. I'll stop it. Why bother with it? Come on to bed, Kay. Please. There's no use sitting there. It won't help her. Yeah. Nothing can help her. But maybe I can help you. Me? It was my fault. Mine. I was the reason it happened. It killed her and it'll kill you and me too unless I stop. No, don't say that. It's true. But why should you be hurt? I'm to blame, not you. Listen, Flo. I'll go out there. There? Out there to the graveyard. What? 
I'll talk to her. I'll, I'll tell her I didn't mean to do it. No. That I didn't know where I was dancing. Maybe somehow it'll hear, listen to me, and, and then it won't hurt oh, you. Oh, no, no. I won't let you go out there. It'll kill but you. Florence. It'll kill you, too. But Florence. No, no, I'll hold you. You can't go. You can't. All right. Come on to bed, Kay, please. In the morning, in the morning, things will be different. But it won't. Nothing will hurt us. And then they're right outside the door. They won't let anything get at us. Oh, please, Kay, please, come to bed. Yeah. We'll... We'll pray. Pray? I... I don't exactly know how. Just say anything. Anything. Like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now you... If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Kay? Kay, are you asleep? I can't sleep anymore. Kay, tomorrow... I mean, when it gets light and everything. Do you think people will believe us? Do you think so, Kay? Well, I'm not quite sure what happened. I always used to be so sure about things. And now I... Kay? Kay, where are you? Kay, where... The window. She went out the window. She's gone out there, to the graveyard, to talk to it. Okay, why did you go? Why did you go? I'll go out there, too. Well, she'll be so frightened out there alone. I'll go, too. I'll go, too. Oh, so cold. My hands, snow so sharp. Cutting my legs. Oh, why did you go out there, Kay? Why did you? I've got to find you. The wind. Oh, why doesn't the wind stop? Blow, blow, thou winter wind. Thou art not so unkind as... <laughs> I've got to find you, kid. I've got to find you. It's snowing. I love snow. Edna didn't like snow. Where are you, kid? Where are you? I've lost my way. I've lost the road. Where are you, kid? Kay, where are you? Okay. I heard you, Kay. I heard you. I'm coming to you, Kay. We'll talk to it. We'll talk to it together. We'll say that we didn't mean any harm, won't we, Kay? Won't we? Poor Edna. We can't help her, Kay. We can't help Edna. But I'm coming to help you, Kay. I'm coming. I'm coming. Yes. I hear you. I hear you. I'm coming, darling. I'm coming to help. I'm coming to help you. 
I'm coming, I'm coming. I hear you. I hear you calling my name. I hear you. Yes. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. Where are you? Where are you? No! This way, Hooper. They must have come this way. Uh, climbing out the window like that in the middle of the night. They must have gone crazy, the both of them. Well, let's not worry about that now. We've got to find them. Here, give me that lantern. What is it, Doc? What have you found? A shoe. One of the girl's shoes. My gosh, stuck in the snow. We're going the right way. Come on, move fast. We've got to get to them. Doc, look at this. What is it? Over there. Ain't these footprints? Yes. Yes. Yes, that's right. Footprints. Hello? Up ahead. Hello? Doc, we're... We're getting pretty close to the old burying grounds. Well? Maybe... Oh, look here, Doc. Let's not be fools. Let's wait till morning. What? Let those frightened girls freeze to death? Get along. But, Doc, I... You come uh, with me or the whole town will know what a yellow-livered no-good you are. All right. All right. You don't have to get so sore, Doc. Hello? Hello? Anybody up there? Hello? Doc. Doc, look. What? There they are. Up ahead. Glory be, they're alive. The both of them. Come on. Doc. Doc, look at them. That's the burying ground up there. And they're dancing. Dancing on the graves. What? They must be out of their heads. Come on. We've got to stop them. Doc. Doc, wait for me. Oh, Doc, it's... It's Doc again. Where are they, Doc? Where are the girls? Have they... Have they stopped dancing? Yes. Huh? They've stopped dancing. Did... Did they ever dance? What are you talking about, Doc? We saw them. We saw them dancing in this place with our own eyes. Did we? The moonlight. Here it comes again. See with your eyes again. <gasps> oh, no. Both of the girls froze stiff to the ground. Each with her head crushed by a tombstone. Robler, would you mind telling us, me, whether there actually are such things as 
poltergeists. All I can tell you is this. There are authenticated records in existence that, in the city of London on the 27th day of April, 1872, from four in the afternoon on a Thursday until half past eleven at night, a certain room in a certain house was deluged by stones thrown from no apparent source. The London police surrounded the house, but they found no trace of whoever or whatever was throwing those stones with a murderous violence. I, uh, I see. So much for poltergeist. But what about next week? Well, anything can happen, but uh, specifically next week, Mangara. A strange title and a strange story. The power of suggestion. The dictators have shown us to what evil purposes that power can be used. Well, next week, a man who, uh, <laughs> but that, as usual, is next week. Yes. Lights Out, written and directed by Arch Obler, will come to you again next Tuesday at the same time. Be sure to listen for the amazing story of Mungara. It is later than you think. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly on Theater of the Mind. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Say, tell me, have you sent in for your personal car initials? The makers of Johnson's Wax want you to try the famous car polish, Johnson's Car New. So to listeners who buy Car New, they're sending two sets of personal car initials, tastefully designed and striking gold color half an inch high. They give your car a smart personal touch, only take a minute to apply. Let me tell you how to get your two sets of personal car initials. One set of three initials for each side of your car. First, buy some Johnson's Car New. Then send the sales slip or the name of the dealer from whom you bought your car new, together with a stamped self-addressed envelope to Fibber McGee and Molly, Racine, Wisconsin. If you live in Canada, address your request for initials to Fibber McGee and Molly, Brantford, Ontario. Print clearly which initials you want, any three, and get your request in the mail right away for your two sets of handsome gold-colored decal car initials. Get some Johnson's car new tomorrow, sure. Car new is spelled C-A-R-N-U. Now, I'll repeat the instructions. Buy some Johnson's car new. Send the sales slip or the name of the dealer from whom you bought the car new, together with a stamped, self-addressed envelope to Fibber McGee and Molly, Racine, Wisconsin. June, as the song has it, is busting out all over. The rich are varnishing their yachts, the poor are laughing at the coal dealer, and the great middle classes are planning picnics, like Fibber McGee and Molly. Now, let me see. I have the sandwiches, the pickles, the cake, and the bananas. Did you put the root beer in the car, McGee? Three big fat cases of it, kiddo. Nothing like a big mug full of root beer to wash down a sandwich. 
And speaking of a big mug full of root beer, is Doc Gamble coming on the picnic? Well, I haven't been able to get in touch with him. Mm, if he puts on any more weight, he won't be able to get in touch with himself. <laughs> you leave word at his office? I left invitations at his office, at the hospital, at his home, and at the county jail. Well, they ought to... At the county jail? Yes, I thought they might call him in on a consultation. Huh? Yeah, there's an epidemic down there, you know. There, in, in the jail? What kind of an epidemic? Hacksaws, I believe. Hacksaws are tools, not a disease Oh, I guess I misunderstood The paper just said that five prisoners had broken out with hacksaws (laughs) Must have been a dumb bunch of guys You could kick your way out of that who's got with moccasins on Badly constructed, is it? (laughs) Badly constructed Anytime you can't stick your finger through a wall It's because the sheriff is on the other side leaning against it (laughs) I That building is so damp, the deputies made 3,000 bucks last year trapping lobsters in the basement. Why, it's... Hey, you putting some of those oatmeal cookies in Yes, dearie. Now, let me see. I have salt and pepper, knives and forks, and spoons. How about oyster forks? Oyster forks at a pick... Well, how else are we going to get the pickles out of the bottle? Last year, I sprained both forefingers and couldn't use my typewriter for 10 days. Oh, well... Never could use it, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Bye, George. I've meant... Come in. <laughs> Hello there, daughter. Hello, Johnny. What are you doing? Packing stuff for a picnic, old-timer. Picnic, eh? Yeah. I used to be in great demand for picnics when I was a youngster, kid. Yeah? Only feller in town could build a campfire scientific. How did you build a campfire scientific? Well, sir... <laughs> <laughs> Well, sir, Johnny, an old Indian showed me the secret. Oh. You take and dig a little trench in the ground, see? Hmm? And you get some dry hickory twigs, sassafras leaves, and gum off in a pine tree. Uh-huh. You build a little pyramid out of the twigs, lay the gum on top, spread the leaves around, then lay a log onto it. Yeah? Then you drench it with kerosene and aim a blowtorch at it. <laughs> <laughs> Never fails. <laughs> Another good way is tie a lightning rod on a pile of dynamite and wait for a thunderstorm. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good, Johnny. But that ain't the way I heard it. The way I heard it, one feller says, t'other feller says, I see where England has finally decided what to do with India. That so, says t'other feller. What they gonna do with it? Just what everybody told them to, says the first feller. Give it back to the Indians. <laughs> hey, well, may not be funny, kids, but it's topical. Say, would you care to come on this picnic with us, Mr. Oldtimer? No, you're sweet, daughter, but no thanks. You know what I always say? Fresh air is all right if you don't inhale. <laughs> well, I just dropped in to say howdy. 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 Silly, wasn't it? Sometimes... Uh, Mickey, what are you doing? I'm looking for my two-headed half-dollar. You seen my two-headed half-dollar anyplace? You mean that trick half-dollar that's the same on both sides? Yeah. What do you want that for? Well, I may want to flip a coin with Wilcox to see who collects the firewood. Doggone it, I had that two-headed half-dollar around here someplace. Come in. Know. Oh, hello, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Molly. Hi, Splint Whittler. Good day, short, dark, and repugnant. Ooh. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me to the picnic. Welcome. Looks like a very happy lunch you have there, Molly. Oh, I think there'll be plenty of everything, Doctor. And as long as you were going to be along, I tried to have a balanced meal. Deviled eggs and angel food cake. 
<laughs> Tell me, do they have picnic tables at Dugan's Lake Or do we just sit around on the broken glass? Oh, they have tables, Doctor Are you going to swim? Yes, I think I might Great exercise, swimming Takes it off in the right places And puts it on in the right places <laughs> You must have done most of your swimming at night When the best places were hard to find Don't be so insulting That's all right, Molly Did you ever notice that everybody at Dugan's Lake Gets out the fishing tackle when McGee goes swimming? Hmm? They want to go after the fish while they're still laughing <laughs> What time is this picnic, by the way? Four o'clock, Doc I'll be there I have a financial as well as a sentimental interest in that lake Oh? Yeah, I dropped three souvenir $20 gold pieces off the dock last year Nobody was able to recover them I'll see you out there Three $20 gold pieces, eh? Doc lost them off the end of the dock, eh? Well, anything that mug can lose, I can find. Where's my swimming trunk? Now, you take it easy, dearie. You're not a very good diver, you know. For 60 bucks, I'll bring up the Lusitania. (laughs) Come on, let's be the first ones at Dugan's Lake. Oh, brother, I can use 60 bucks like Brittle can use peanuts. Get your hat, kiddo. I got the basket. You grab the ant powder. Come on, let's go. We got Billy Mills in the orchestra and Cecilia. You'd have had time to buy a new bathing suit, McGee. Those swimming trunks yours are pretty moth-eaten. I know, but I got a sentimental attachment for them trunks. I saved a guy's life while I was wearing those. Really? Whose? Mine. <laughs> they fit so bad, I didn't want to go buy any hamburger, so I swam on my empty stomach. <laughs> Otherwise, I might have got cramps and drowned on... Yes, sir, I was... Oh, stop, McGee. There's Wallace Wimple. We told him we'd pick him up, you know. Oh. Ah, gotta get them brakes fixed. Well, hop in, Wimple, old man. Hello, Mr. Wimple. 
Hello, folks. <laughs> My, we're glad you could come on this picnic, Mr. Wimple. Yeah, how'd you get away from Sweetie Face for the day, Wimp? Mean, my big old wife. <laughs> yes, did she object to your going on the picnic, huh? What could she do, Mrs. McGee? I just put my foot down. My gosh. At last, eh? You really put your foot down, Mr. Wimple. Yes, I did. I put my foot down and waited. Nothing happened. And I put my other foot down. Nothing happened. So I just dropped out of the tree and ran like everything. <laughs> What were you doing up in the tree in the first place, Wimp? Reading my bird book. Your what, Mr. Wimple? My bird book. And the silliest thing happened while I was sitting up in that tree. Yeah? A little bird flew up and squatted down on my head like it was a big egg. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> what kind of a bird was it, Wimp? That was the silly part of it, Mr. McGee. I looked it up in my bird book. And it was an Arkansas nuthatch. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the feeding habits of the green-winged Montana twiddle? Twiddle? Yes. A twiddle is like the South Dakota duck-billed gillfinch, except it has wing flaps. Oh. Well, during the mating season, which is from February to January, the twiddle eats nothing but radishes, and when it sings, it sounds like, Eek, pardon me, Eek, pardon me, Eek, pardon me. <laughs> The female twiddle has a great big... Oh, dear. Gotta get them brakes fixed. Well, here we are, Mr. Wimple. I guess we're the first ones here. You kids take the lunch over to the table. I'm going to slip my pants off in the car on account of I got my swimming trunks on underneath, and underneath my pants on. <laughs> you going to swim, Wimp? No, I don't think so, Mr. McGee. Oh. But if somebody will keep an eye on me, I might wade a little. <laughs> I'll hang on to the end of your necktie, Mr. Wimple. Say, will you please help me with these baskets? Certainly, Mrs. McGee. I'll take this one, and you take that one. There's three cases of root beer in the back, Wimp. I'll be with you as soon as I take a quick plunge. Mm. My, these baskets are heavy, aren't they, Mrs. McGee? Maybe if I ate a few sandwiches out of them. Oh, no, no, Mr. Wimple. Not till everybody else gets here. Here, let me help you with that stuff, Molly. Hello, Wally. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Glad you could come. Me, too. Uh, You can take this basket, Harlow. Just put it on the table over there. Okay. (sighs) You know, this picnic was a wonderful idea. I always think that... Where's Fibber? Well, he's in the trunk of the car putting on his back seat. Uh, <laughs> oh, wasn't that silly of me? <laughs> he's in the back seat putting on his trunk. <laughs> he wants to take a plunge before we eat. That's peculiar. When did he start feeling so athletic? I've been on picnics with him before, and he usually hey, just sits... Hey, come. Watch this dive off the end of the dock. One side, everybody. Ah! I didn't hear any splash. That must be a very high dock. Or maybe he didn't know there was a rowboat tied right under the end of it. <laughs> a rowboat? Heavenly days, why, them that, poor man... That's that ratted lame brain that tied this boat down here. I'd like to bust at my neck. That's what it was, the rowboat. <laughs> ah! Oh, my, 
my goodness, isn't this a wonderful day for a picnic? Can you think of anything more beautiful, Mr. Wilcox, than a lunch in the open with the blue sky overhead and the green grass underfoot? Yes. What, Hilo? Eating in an immaculate kitchen with a ceiling overhead and a gleaming Johnson's glow-coated linoleum underfoot. That's beauty to me. in a stuffy kitchen than out here at lovely Dugan's Lake, Mr. Wilcox? Why, sure. A modern kitchen isn't stuffy anyway. And with glow coat brightening and beautifying the floor, it's the pleasantest room in the house. To me, the nicest room in the house is the hollow space under the front porch. Sweetie Face can't reach me there. Why, I often tell my customers, Wallace, that serving a meal in a kitchen that has a glow-coated linoleum is a picnic. Just as informal, just as cheerful. And if you spill something, you don't have to kick dirt over it or hide it under an empty carton. You just wipe it up with a damp cloth. Yeah, but I always say that you can... Hey, did you see that last guy? Cleans a hound's tooth, huh? Let's say as clean as a glow-coated linoleum. Huh? Why, when a housewife pours a little Johnson self-polishing glow coat out and spreads it around... Hey, hey, hey. Waxy, please, take a day off, will you? <laughs> this is a picnic, not a sales conference. Well, I was just saying that... Yes, Mr. Wilcox. I'm sure Racine won't mind if you relax a few minutes. No. After all, you'll have to get used to having Fred Waring and Bill Bivens handle it this summer anyway. Ooh, goody. Fred Waring and Bill Bivens. <laughs> I just love Fred's music. I wish he was on for Johnson's Wax right now. Did I say something wrong? You just bit the hand that's going to feed you, that's all. Hey, have I got time for a few more dives before we eat, Molly? Well, Dr. Gamble and Mayor Latrivia aren't here yet, dearie. Okay, I'll try a few more. Watch this one. Hey, did you see that? He landed on his stomach and bounced. He certainly stays underwater a long time, doesn't he? Oh, yes. Yes. He's learned to hold his breath for 13 weeks at a time, Mr. Wimple. <laughs> Options, you know. Oh, here comes Mayor Latrivia. You know Mr. Mayor over here. Who's that with him? Oh, it's the little girl who lives across the street from you. Hello, Your Honor. Hello, Teeny. Hello, hello. Hi. Oh, well, well, now that everybody's here but Dr. Gamble, I guess I better go start the lunch, huh? I'll help you, Molly. So will I. Stay and eat with us if you like, Teeny. There's plenty of everything. I told you you'd be invited if you walked in here with me, Teeny. I'm the Elsa Maxwell of the picnic ground. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, gee, it does look like you need more women at this party. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's that, a big fish? <laughs> That's a matter of opinion, Teeny. <laughs> Mr. McGee just over off the end of the dock. Oh, gee, this is going to be fun, I bet you. I love picnics, Mr. Honor. <laughs> Not Mr. Honor, Teeny. Uh, your Honor. My Honor? No, no, my Honor. You say your Honor when you address me. Okay, my Honor. <laughs> no, no, look, you don't understand. The chief executive of the city is called His Honor the Mayor. Personally, I'd just as soon be called Mr. Latrivia, but custom decrees that I be spoken to as Your Honor or Mr. Mayor. You understand? Well, I... <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, I'll try to make it a little clearer. 
Now then, suppose you were the mayor of Wistful Vista. All right. Now, the first thing we got to do is have longer recess in the schools, I betcha. And then we got to give my teacher, Miss Yegley, a race on account of she's so nice to little children. And then you Now, know... just a minute, please, Deanie. This was just a temporary appointment. Oh. Purely hypothetical, for the sake of argument. Okay, Indian giver. <laughs> if you were the mayor, I'd come up to you and say, Ah, oh, there, good morning, Your Honor. As it is, you say the same thing to me. I can't, I bet you. Why not? It isn't morning, it's afternoon. That's beside the point. I was merely trying to... Did you hear that splash, Mr. Honor? It is not Mr. Honor. It's Mr. Mayor. It is not, I bet you. It's Mr. McGee. I saw him when he jumped in. <laughs> I didn't mean who I am. I mean, I didn't honor the man who jumped into the mayor. Oh, no. <laughs> now, now, give it a chance, Mr. Honor. You addressed me as Mr. Dive. Honor. <laughs> and the man who McGee'd into the splash, oh. the sergeant, I was... You said... Teeny? Yes, Mr. Honor? When you grow up, if ever, you will be... Oh, wait, here comes Mr. McGee, Mr. Honor. (laughs) Oh, oh boy, are those ever funny-looking bathing trunks, I bet you. (laughs) Hi, Mr. McGee. Hi, Teeny. Oh, hi, Latrev. When did you get here? Just a few minutes ago. Oh. I took the liberty of bringing this little... <clears throat> this young lady. Oh. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. Oh, my gosh, no. Sis, you're as welcome as the flowers in June. June was the name of a goat I had once. <laughs> she ate a dozen roses, and it was a great improvement. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mr. McGee. Picnics. Now you do, eh? Yes, I'm... Hmm? I says you do, eh? Do what? Love them. Well, what? Picnics. I know it. <laughs> hey, where'd you get those bathing trunks, mister? Where'd you get them? Hmm. I was about to ask the same question, McGee. They seem to have a drape shape with a slack back and a drip hip. Yeah. <laughs> These are my old track pants, Latrivia. I've clung to them like they're clinging to me right now. Just because I made the mistake of hanging them up for 20 years by the seat. Hey, hey, is that safety pin still in there where I tore them a little bit? Sure it is, mister. It hardly shows unless somebody notices it. Well, I was about to suggest that you... All right, everybody. Soup's on. Come and get it. Swell. I got a great appetite. Run and get the blanket out of the car, will you, Teeny? I don't want to catch cold in these wet trunks. Okay, mister. Uh, McGee, before you sit down, that safety pin, did you get congressional authority for that? Congressional authority? What has Congress got to do with the safety pin in my swimming trunks? Rent control. Come in, my King's Men and O Everline. O Everline, my Everline. Oh, whisper to me, honey, you'll be mine. Way down yonder in the old cornfield for you, I find. Sweet little honey to the honeybee. I love you, say you love me. Meet me in the shade of the old apple tree. Heavy, heavy, heavy Everline. Oh, Everline, be mine. Bye.
whisper to me, honey, you'll be mine. Oh, I'm way down yonder in the old picnic supper these tired old teeth ever got together on. <laughs> well, thank you, Doctor. I was afraid for a while you weren't going to come. What delayed you, fever chart? Somebody tried to sneak out of the hospital without giving you his gold filling? No, one of the nurses asked me to remove a small wart that was bothering him. Oh. oh, really? How'd you treat the wart, Doc? With considerable respect. Huh? His father is our wealthiest patient. <laughs> I have another piece of that cake, Molly? Why, certainly, Doctor. As soon as Mr. Wilcox and Mr. Wimple and Teeny get back with some firewood, we'll make a fire and roast marshmallows, huh? No, you go ahead. But I'm going in the lake again in a few minutes, as soon as I think it's safe after eating. My boy, after what you stowed away, you are liable to get cramps in anything better than a heavy fog up until April of 1967. <laughs> Furthermore, oh, I Oh, here think... come the boys and Teeny with some firewood. Bring it right over here, everybody. Here's mine, Molly. Dump it right here. That's right, and thank you. It's quite a hefty batch of kindling, Junior. What'd you tear down, a boathouse? Oh, look how much I got, everybody. Well, good for you, Teeny. That's wonderful. Just drop it on the pile there. Okay. Well, now, that's what I call firewood. And cut to just the right length, too. Where'd you find it, Teeny? Oh, I was just lucky, I guess. <laughs> there was a truck parked over there with a lot of this wood on it. Oh, I see. <laughs> You better start the fire quick. Hey, where's Wimple with his wood? Uh, here I come, Mr. McGee. Uh, look out, everybody. Yeah, I'm going to dump it. Now, right on the pile there, Mr. Wimple. <laughs> Am I tired? Are there any more sandwiches? <laughs> sandwiches? Great Scott. He's already eaten enough to see the Turkish army through four campaigns. Well, if somebody will build a fire, we can roast the marshmallows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody build a fire. I'm going to take a dip in the lake. Watch this dive, everybody. Here I go. I never saw a man so enthusiastic about diving What goes with him, Molly? Well, I suppose he has his reasons, Mr. Wilcox I have a theory about it People have been telling him to go soak his head for so many years He finally caught on Oh, well, gee, me 
maybe he just likes to swim, maybe, huh? Nobody could like to swim the way he does, Teeny. Huh? He fancies he's doing the Australian crawl because he's down under so much. <laughs> well, he works hard. After all, he's made 57 dives that I've counted. Four of them good. My goodness, he's awfully quiet. Why, of course he is. He's underwater, looking around. Looking for what? Well, frankly, he's trying to find some gold pieces Dr. Gamble lost off the dock last year. Oh, oh, that's very amusing, Molly. He's got the right idea, but the wrong dock. I lost him off the one at the other end of the lake. (laughs) Well, my goodness, I'm going down and tell him he's wasting his time. I'll go with you. I want to see his face. That's the first time I ever said that. (laughs) <laughs> come on, come on Let's go down and break the news to him And ruin his day Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor McGee And he's been working so hard at it McGee, dearie, where are you? I'm down here, under the dock Why? We've got news for you, Bluegill <laughs> Doc lost his gold pieces At the other end of the lake So what? I quit looking for them gold pieces Fifteen minutes ago well, then what are you looking for, McGee? I'm looking for my swimming trunk. Oh. <laughs> ridiculous. Very kind of the boys to take you out of the lake in a blanket, McGee. No, I could have found my trunks if they'd left me alone. I'd barely got started. <laughs> You'd what got started? Barely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh? Oh, oh, yeah. Good night. And good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Burns and Allen, followed by Hopalong Cassidy. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.